Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm Stacey Toth, best-selling author and co-creator of PaleoParents.com, where we focus on real-life solutions for families seeking help. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of ThePaleoMom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Welcome back to Paleo View. As promised last week and the week <laughs> week before and week before, we're back. But Sarah, <laughs> I wanted to start the show by Every saying something other than, hey, how do they do? <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, I like how you're like, as we've always promised, we came back. <laughs> because I'm not sure we've actually always promised to come back, but we do always come back. It's a thing that we talk about. Um. It's been, I don't even know what episode number this is, but we're like right around the four-year mark, aren't we? It's a thing. Never missed a week in four years. There should be like a little medal for that or something. Or maybe we have to wait till five years because it's a rounder number. Yeah, I wish iTunes gave you rewards like YouTube does, like when you get a certain number of subscribers or whatever. Like, come on, get with the program. Certain number of downloads. Like, where was our million download? You know, where's right? Where's there should have been a million download button. Yeah. Anyway, well, I'm super excited that we're back again <laughs> this week <laughs> because we have a special guest. We haven't been doing a lot of special guests, but um, Melissa Jewel is joining us, who has been on the show before, and we love you, and we're so glad that you're back. Welcome to the show, Melissa. I am so excited to be talking to you guys. Thank you for having me. So, if you're not sure who Melissa is or aren't familiar, um, her blog, com used to be Clothes Make the Girl. She's author of best-selling cookbooks, Well-Fed and Well-Fed 2, which happen to be some of our favorite cookbooks. Mm. Um, you are very, uh, like, akin to our palate tastes, and, like, Russ is another that's on our favorite palate taste. You like flavor, and your cooking preparations are very similar to ours, so... Um, and Sarah and I have already established that our palettes are very similar. So those people who <laughs> listen to the podcast, if you like Sarah and I's books, you'll love Melissa's. And what I particularly love about your stuff and what we're going to talk about today is a concept that we've talked about a lot on the show in reference. And finally, we were like, why don't we just have you on to talk about um, weekly cook-up or batch cooking, which the first time I ever saw it laid out in a cookbook and articulated really well was in your original well-fed book so thank you that's so nice yes I honestly don't think that I could have stuck with paleo in the beginning and managed my life if I didn't do a big batch cooking session sometime during the week it really really does make the whole thing so much easier and kind of prevents that feeling of I'm so hungry and I'm overwhelmed trying to figure out what to eat right now and everything in the refrigerator is raw, which is like, that is literally my nightmare to be hungry and open up the refrigerator and it's full of groceries, but nothing is cooked. 
because that means you're like, like at least 20 minutes from eating. Like that is literally my nightmare. 20 minutes is a long time to wait. When you're hungry. And not only yeah. that, you have to do work while hungry. Right. Exactly. There's a lot of angry chopping going on when that happens in my house. <laughs> angry chopping. Exactly. Yeah. Angry chopping leads to the emergency room, I think. Um, or, or at least the, the bandaid drawer <laughs> at anywhere between those two extremes. Um, well, one of the things that I really love and, and I would love for, for you to talk about is that sort of, you, you talk about a weekly cookup, which is a little bit different than batch cooking. Mm-hmm. And I'd love for you to kind of dissect that, sure. um, in order to give people really like, here's one method might work for some people. The other method might work for other people right. and kind of give them that toolbox. Yeah. So, um, the first thing to know about me is that I cannot follow a meal plan. So when I put together my, my kind of framework for what I call the weekly cookup, it was because I know what kinds of foods I generally like to eat. But if you give me a meal plan that says I have to eat something on Tuesday, on Tuesday, I will be like, but I don't want to eat that. Like you can't tell me what to eat on a particular day. (laughs) So I know some people really like really defined meal plans, but for me, like that makes me completely squirrely and I feel all defiant and my inner 12 year old is like, no. So my weekly cookup plan was to kind of figure out how to stock the refrigerator with what feels like convenience foods, because let's be honest, when you start eating paleo, the idea of most packaged food or drive-through food or convenience food is gone. So I always tried to think of it as I'm making my own packaged food that I'm going to have in the refrigerator so that I can throw meals together quickly. And when I started thinking about how to do that, I broke it down into basically two kinds of foods. There's like recipes where you buy special ingredients and you follow the instructions of the recipes. And at the end of it, you have a stew or a curry or a casserole, or I always think of it as like recipes that have titles, Right. So like if you say, you know, if you said to somebody, I made a chili, it's a known thing. So that's, that's what I consider like the recipe side of the equation. But then on the other side, there are things that I'm going to come clean now with all of our podcast friends. Um, my husband and I used to call piles, <laughs> which is not an appetizing thing to call your food. <laughs> <laughs> I read too much historical fiction. (laughs) Sorry. 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 It's fine. It's fine. I'm like, do you want a Mexican pile or a Chinese pile? And then like what we actually eat is what evolves into the cookbook. So that when it came time to make the cookbook, we were like, okay, seriously, we can't call these things piles. What are we going to call them? And we landed on hot plates. And basically all it is, is taking a skillet and sauteing together vegetables, uh, protein and fat, and then spices. And then maybe you drizzle it with some kind of sauce. And those things don't necessarily have a title. It's not really besides pile, I guess. Um, it's not the kind of thing that would have like a recognizable name to someone else, but they're delicious. So an example would be um, ground meat and mushrooms and cabbage with sausage seasoning. So like that kind of tastes like pizza when you do that. Um, and the really simple ingredients, right? It's just ground beef, a couple of vegetables and a seasoning blend. 
And then I went from there and kind of went backwards and was like, okay, what are the components you would need to make a whole bunch of them? And basically you cook some protein. So maybe you grill summer, you grill some chicken breasts or chicken thighs or a mix. And maybe you buy some, you know, pre-cooked shrimp at the store and defrost them in the back of your refrigerator and you brown a whole bunch of ground meat and you just put those in some airtight containers and stick them in the fridge. So now you've got protein ready to go. And then you do the same thing with vegetables. Pick out your favorite vegetables, partially steam them so that they still have some bite to them. They're not overcooked. And you throw those into the refrigerator. And then literally when it's time to eat, it takes about 10 minutes to make a meal because you just pick and choose from your pre-made components. And you can say, do I want Mexican? Do I want Chinese? Do I want Italian? And you stir fry it together and bam, beautiful dinner. And then, you know, if it's a workout day and you need some more carbs, you can add sweet potatoes or white potatoes or plantains. And all of those things can kind of be pre-cooked and then cooked a second time too. So that's a way to get meals on the table fast. And then if you do both of those things during a cooking session, you have all of that food to choose from during the week. So Say you make a chili, which takes a little bit more investment on the weekend. You can eat that as a dinner, but then you can also take the leftovers and drizzle it over your eggs in the morning at breakfast. So those kind of sort of shortcuts and thinking of food as components that can be mixed and matched really saved me in the beginning and has really become the way I cook now. You know, I've been at it since about 2009 and... Our refrigerator, like just now I looked in the refrigerator and like there's a container of grilled chicken in there and there's a container of cooked ground beef and some chopped up cabbage that I sauteed. So that's still the way I cook. I think that it's such an ingenious approach and it's one of the things that we've mentioned often to people who are either struggling or getting started is you know, that there's rotisserie chickens at Whole Foods or like Trader Joe's has a clean brand of chicken that's just grilled and like, okay, if you get that in a bag of salad and you keep that in your fridge, then no matter what, you could have a meal in five minutes. But exactly like this kind of approach this is, is how you so do much that. more sophisticated. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. how you make it more affordable as well for the people who are both short on time and money. Mm-hmm. Like this is the solution for you because to me, I think about, I'm a really analytical kind of person. So I think about you're spending maybe an hour or two in the kitchen batch cooking all of these components to this basic structure that then will lead you to attend a 20 minute deal meal later in the week right. as opposed to spending 45 minutes every day right. and the amount of time that you save cumulative is exponential. Right. <laughs> so, well, and I would also say like in addition to the time you save, you save yourself so much kind of like emotional overhead too. Like, you know, you talk about ways to simplify your day and kind of reduce the number of times during the day that you have to make a decision because that like de- decision fatigue can really wear you out. And then it's really hard to make good choices at the end of the day after you've made, you know, you've been a responsible adult all day long and now suddenly, you know, dinner is staring you in the face and you're like, ah, So I think like emotionally and in terms of stress management, it also, it just, it makes everything easier. One less thing you really have to worry about, you know, there's going to be food in the refrigerator that you can eat. The other thing that I like about this approach is the end result is something with, it's simple, it's minimizes time, it's budget friendly. And the end result is something with complex flavor Mm -hmm. compared to 
you know, a can of fish and some raw vegetables <laughs> and like the other, um, you know, what are often go-tos for me when I'm really busy. Um, I happen to really enjoy bland food, uh, mm-hmm. but, um, or not enjoy bland food. I'm fine with it. It's, it's just, it's fine. It's whatever. I'm busy now. Just grab a can right. of fish. But what I love about your approach is your end result is a delicious meal compared to the, the sort of, I don't want to say the bachelor way because like (laughs) probably three bachelors who listen to our show who would all be super offended by that. But you know, like the, you know, compared to the, um, the, like, not, I'm not reinventing the wheel, right? I'm just going to take this chicken. I'm going to take this bag of salad. I'm going to grab this Tessames and then we're done. And, um, and that gets repetitive and boring after a while. Whereas your approach, there's so many infinite combinations of mix and match. You get to have a different meal all the time from the same, you know, base refrigerator. Maybe your vegetables are a little bit different from one week to the next, right? Like, right. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And I, I kind of have, as I've gone through this process over and over again over the last few years, sort of uh, supplemented my weekly cookup. So like now I do bone broth. Probably I make enough when I do it. I do, I have an enormous pot. Um, I do bone broth that lasts probably six weeks. So like it's all, you know, my freezer is like ridiculous with jars, but like every six weeks that gets added into what I do on my cook up day, you know, get the bone broth simmering on the back of the stove. Um, and the other thing I've started doing, which is really helpful. And for people who are, maybe want to just dip their toes into the water of trying to do this kind of thing, um, Making some of the the sort of paleo staples is how I think of them that I use all the time. So, you know, a a batch of homemade mayo, take a whole bunch of zucchini and turn it into zucchini noodles and sweat the excess water out of them and throw them in the refrigerator. Take a couple heads of cauliflower and grate it into cauliflower rice, but don't cook it because when you cook it and reheat it, it gets pretty mushy. But if you have a whole bunch of raw cauliflower riced already in the refrigerator, that's a great thing to, you know, scramble some eggs, throw the cauliflower rice in it. That's dinner in 10 minutes and it tastes awesome. So if you do those, like it, it, I sometimes I'm not going to lie. I miss those days when you're like, I'm tired. I'm just going to boil some pasta and heat up some sauce and it'll taste so good. And it's so comforting. And it literally takes like 10 minutes and you don't even have to pay attention to it. So if you do a little bit of prep on the weekend, making your zucchini noodles and your cauliflower rice, then you can almost recreate that experience of throwing together a meal in 10 minutes. And it's so much better, so much more nutrient density and really a lot more flavor. We had a a similar discussion. We had company over um, yesterday for the fourth and we had, they came for brunch and then stayed so late. We were looking at dinner time and we had the whole like, Remember the olden days where you would just order a pizza now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were like, okay, well, you know, I guess that's not going to happen. But it was, you know, for me developing those strategies of what are my fast meals yeah. or what do I have in my freezer at all times mm-hmm. that's ready to go. So I like always have cooked hamburger patties in my freezer. Right. Always, Genius. And that's what we had for dinner last night. So when I make hamburger patties, I make seven, it's always seven pounds. Seven pounds mm-hmm. is exactly <laughs> 24 patties. I don't know why that math works out that way. And I bake them in the oven. So they are like, I form the patties on baking sheets. I bake them in the oven for 20 minutes. Then they're fine. They're perfect. And then I freeze yep. them. And that's my emergency 
food. Like, okay. That's awesome. It's five 30 kids are starving. Um, Hey, it's a hamburger night. Quickly whip together some guac and away we go. Yep. There um, you go. And, and I think that it's one of the things that is helpful for everybody finds their own, right? Like everyone mm-hmm. has this, like, how do I, how do I handle the night where I got home late from work, but I didn't know I was going to get home late from work. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right? Or right. the time when the orthodontist appointment runs straight into, you know, soccer practice mm-hmm. and we didn't actually get time for a snack, right? Like, there's all these different like life, you mm-hmm. know, throwing a challenge at you like, well, now what are you going to eat? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I love that the approach that you have to this because it's so transferable to, I, I think just navigating the world <laughs> with d- d- stricter dietary priorities than most people have. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of a segue into the, the next point I wanted to make sure and make, which is again, even if you don't want to commit to a full cookup, get a big hunk of meat and throw it into the slow cooker sometime. Like it doesn't even, that doesn't even have to be a weekend. You can throw that sucker in on like a Wednesday night. If you, that's the only time you remember and let it cook overnight. And then at least like, as you say, you know, in between, you know, school and soccer practice, you can shred it up and throw it on a salad or heat it up and put it onto a baked sweet potato or stir fry it with eggs, whatever. But like a big hunk of beef chuck or a pork shoulder saves the day. And literally all you need to do is put salt and pepper on it and put it into the slow cooker and let it go for 12 hours or whatever. Which you could do in the morning or in the evening. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and the, one of the other things I get a lot of questions about that I thought it would be good to touch on is how much you need to buy in order to do this kind of cooking. And that really, and this is the way you can make this kind of cooking work, whether you're a student and you're only cooking for yourself or you're a couple, but there's only two of you or your whole family, this, the cook up can stretch and contract as you need it to. And the way you do that is by calculating, and you have to do a tiny bit of math, but you only have to do the math once to figure it out. Um, Figure out how much protein and vegetables you need for the number of people you're feeding. And then that's kind of how you you build your cook-up plan. So most people need somewhere between four and six ounces of protein every meal. And that's like a pretty broad average. Um, I'm pretty active, so I eat around five ounces. Um, my husband is enormous. He's six, five. So he needs to eat more. He eats around eight or nine ounces at a meal for people who's tall. He's, he's big and he lifts heavy two times a week. So he needs a lot of food. Feeding him is like its own hobby for me. (laughs) Um, but so for anyone who is like, Oh, I don't have a scale. I don't want to weigh. Like I totally get that. Um, you can just kind of go rule of thumb about a pound and a half of meat will feed around four people. And again, that's just a general rule of thumb. So you can use that as a base for figuring out how much protein you need. Um, for fruits and vegetables, you want, you know, a serving or two of fruit a day for people who can tolerate it. And vegetables is about two cups a person per meal. And again, if you don't want to get all crazy with the measuring, a cup is about 
the size of your fist. So once you figure out roughly how much you need to feed the people you're going to feed, then you know how much to buy. And then it's just a matter of picking out the recipes you want to make. And I have several examples on my website of, of cookups that I've done. I have a whole 30, um, four week plan that has, uh, recipes and step-by-step instructions for how to cook those things and get them done in the most efficient amount of time. So those are really helpful for people who are just getting started. But what I really wanted to talk about is how to take those and kind of deconstruct them so that you can make up your own, because maybe you don't want to make the things that I've put into that weekly cookup plan. So I always do the hot plate stuff. So the raw materials of chicken and beef and pork and lamb and vegetables. But then there's usually a slot for something made in the slow cooker and a slot for something that simmers on the back of the stove. And the reason those are included is because you can start them and then leave them. So like once you've done the chopping and gotten the chili or the stew into the pot, you're done thinking about it while it's simmering, which is awesome because it's just sitting on the back of the stove and doing it. And those things can usually be made in fairly large batches. So you can have leftovers or you could do double and freeze it, which is also awesome. Um, And then the slow cooker, like I mentioned A big chunk of meat in the slow cooker can feed you for multiple days and in multiple formats, which is really, really nice. And if you, you know, think about plugging things into that plan, you can swap out the kind of stew or chili you make and you won't even notice that that's what you're doing. You know, you don't have to eat the same chili every week. Um, I actually put a little note here to myself. Make sure and talk about the holuki casserole from (laughs) Eat Like a Dinosaur. Because I love that recipe. And oh, that's like thanks. that's like a perfect thing to make in a huge batch. Yep. And heat up, freeze, put eggs on it. I love that recipe. Um so yeah, that was a big long rant about how to shop things. <laughs> Sorry. I kind of got rolling there. Well, I think the only thing that I would add to what you're saying is that while you've given a rule of thumb. I happen to have a house full of boys and uh-huh. a pound and a half would feed like two of them. <laughs> I don't know what happens, like where it goes, especially Finn is our middle child, appears to never stop growing. Um, so just make sure that if you're cooking for a family, I find that one of the best time-saving solutions that Matt uses is that we always make too much food intentionally Mm -hmm. Um, and then the kids don't fight over leftovers like Matt tells this story about how like he and his brothers would literally inhale their dinners whether they liked it or not whether they were hungry or not out of like sheer competitive nature to see who would get the left like another serving of the leftovers because there's only like enough for one or two boys to have leftovers and so they like very very strange when you think of somebody who doesn't like their dinner wolfing it down to get (laughs) the competitive nature of brothers i guess i don't know he told it to me and i just looked at him like he was crazy and (laughs) i was like but if you don't like it why would you want more so anyway my point is just that we try to Make sure that there's plenty of food on the table so that the boys don't feel like they're going to starve to death if they don't rush through their meal. And then whatever's left over, because there's almost always leftovers, um, gets put into people's lunches the next day. So it's a huge time saver because we don't 
often pack lunches. Um, like for me, I always just grab a container of leftovers that I portion out after right. dinner into a container. And oh, yeah. like, these are the time saving things. These are the money saving things that I think are really important mm-hmm. to try to figure out like what works for everybody. And I know some people don't like leftovers for me. I look forward to leftovers. Um, it's how I tell myself I don't need more of whatever it is at dinner from like a portion control perspective. I'm like, no, if I, if I don't have seconds right now, I can have this for dinner tomorrow. And then, I mean, I can have it for lunch tomorrow and then I get it twice. Isn't that exciting? So I mean, (laughs) it's like, it's a mental game. Yeah. I always feel like, um, I like leftovers because it feels like somebody else cooked for me because (laughs) the act of cooking happened so long ago that I don't remember having done it. (laughs) I just like, I mean, for me, um, I, I don't like spending all my time in the kitchen. So I really only cook dinner three nights a week ish. Um, and the other nights are leftovers and then we'll still have leftovers for lunch. Um, and then even like if I, even if I scramble eggs for the kids for breakfast, I'll scramble, you know, 14, 16 eggs, however many I can fit in my frying pan. And then they'll have leftover scrambled eggs for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. So like, or I'll hard boil 12 eggs and then I've got hard boiled eggs in the fridge all the time. And so, um, I, uh, I rely on leftovers. Leftovers Mm -hmm. is my time management strategy. Um, it's, it's just, I mean, that's, and that's actually how I cooked even before paleo. Yeah. Well, I feel like leftovers get a bum rap too. And so many things actually taste better when they've aged a little while. Like anything Mm. that has tomato base or a soup or stew or anything that you kind of simmer for a while, all that stuff actually tastes better if you let it sit in the refrigerator for a day or two. So that's another thing to keep in mind when you're doing your cookup. Maybe you want to make some stuff that you kind of leave for a couple days. And then it's like, oh, sweet. Look what I just found in the back of the refrigerator. Uh, I love that. I love that perspective <laughs> because I'm so my I'm lucky in the sense that both of my girls and my husband are all fine with leftovers. Um, you know, we're all sort of creatures of habit, I guess, in that regard. And like typically breakfasts and lunches don't look that different day to day. And then I where we get mm-hmm. our variety is more like I'll I'll be more inventive at dinner time. But um but I like, you know, I the comments I get is like, what if I don't like leftovers? And, you know, the one idea is always like reinvent leftovers. But the other one is, did you know that some recipes taste better? I'm going to use that. (laughs) Say Melissa Jill wants. (laughs) It's true. It's true. I mean, and in fact, the flavors melding together is really important. Like classically trained chefs. That's the reason that their meals take so long to cook. A lot of it's just like, Mm waiting time because the flavors need to come together and what happens yep. is in in casseroles and soups and stews and things where you've got layers and layers of food like the longer it sits not forever like don't let it get moldy in, <laughs> in the back of your fridge that's a whole other show they told me on the paleo view that i should let my food get moldy before I eat. <laughs> then you get probiotics and no and, and antibiotics all in one <laughs> don't do it don't do it um mold we we cleaned out the fridge for leftovers today. It was like a planned leftover day, and there were some things like in the back of the fridge that had clearly not gotten cleaned out the last time we cleaned out our fridge. And so we found 
um, moldy food. And I was like, moldy pork chops, just that I want for dinner. And Matt was like, hey, look, I think I've got some moldy mashed potatoes to go with that. <laughs> it's a joke. Don't eat it. Don't do it. Um, yeah, no, don't do that. No. But Please consult your healthcare provider. <laughs> do not consume the mold. But, I mean, that is a thing that happens with us is that we we do put things, like, behind the eggs or, like, whatever whatever we use all the time gets put in front of it. And then we somehow right. forget that it's back there. And that's that's a – when you're doing these cook-ups and leftovers and you've got these containers of foods, just make sure that you're coming up with a system where things aren't being put in the back and forgotten yeah. because you don't want to waste food. Yeah. So a really easy way to fix that is to throw a magnetic whiteboard on the side of your refrigerator and just make a list of what's in there. And then as you eat stuff, you can cross it off. And then if you wanted to kind of go into the meal planning area, you could make the list of everything in your fridge and then write, you know, the proposed day you're going to eat it next to it. If you have kids, that's kind of fun. They can kind of see what's coming. I don't know if you have a picky, if you have a picky eater, they can kind of plan. Um, we actually still do that in our house too. We are both, I'm 48, my husband's 51, and we still like to put a list of <laughs> food we're going to eat all week on the refrigerator. <laughs> We're just kids uh, at heart. We've, we've, <laughs> we've been meal planning and it's it's amazing like how much benefit that like 10 to 15 minutes a day that I spend yeah. actually planning comes out. We don't have a whiteboard on the fridge, but now I'm thinking we might need one. Um, <laughs> I just use a notepad and on one side of the paper, I write all of the things that are left over in the fridge that we didn't use yet. And that might be yep. leftover protein or leftover produce. And then I make sure to incorporate that into like the first couple of meals of the week. So they get used up before they go bad. And then we look through books or I let the boys scroll through my Pinterest or whatever in order to come up with the meals that we want next. Mm -hmm. And then you have the kind of Delta, which is, okay, what ingredients don't we have? And then we just go to the store once a week. And, um, it's been really fantastic to do that. Like we've, we've had that series on the blog for several months now. And because it's a weekly thing on the blog, it holds us accountable to doing it. <laughs> and, so smart. And then it's like, okay, we've got a, like, this is the meal. And then, so like a couple of days ago, I told Matt that I really wanted meatballs um, because I know that he'd made fomato sauce for another recipe and he had it left over. And I was like, can we please have, and he goes, put it on the meal plan, <laughs> which is great for him. Cause he doesn't get like 6 PM calls from me anymore. Like, what are we having for dinner? Can we have this thing? Or, you know, we're not tempted to eat out as much either because we have all the food already bought. So I think everybody's just got to come up with the thing that works for them and it might change. Like for us, we didn't used to meal plan at all. And even now, like, I don't know that we're formally meal planning the way that really super organized people do, but it, it's enough that it works for us and keeps us focused and um, it saves us time and money, which was really the goal. And we're wasting less food when we don't let pork chops go moldy. In the <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Maybe we need that whiteboard to remind us what's behind the eggs. <laughs> well, um, Melissa, thank you so much for, coming on and talking about all your tips and tricks. We didn't even get to talk about the new cookbook that you have coming out later this um, year. Uh, right? Melissa, tell us about the new cookbook. Yes. I'm super excited about the new cookbook. And I'm, I think these are some of the best recipes that I've come up with in 
Yeah. These are some of my favorite recipes. I'm just going to leave it that way. Um, the new cookbook is called Well-Fed Weeknights, Complete Paleo Meals in 45 Minutes or Less. And that is not a lie. I tested these things with like multiple stopwatches going. Most of them clock in under 30 minutes. And the idea was I worked all day. I stopped at the grocery store on the way home. I bought groceries and now I'm going to go home and make a fantastic meal. And I don't want it to take more than 45 minutes. Um, the thing that I think is really sneaky cool about these recipes is that you can make them that way and they will take you under 45 minutes. But I also on everyone have broken down how to make some of the components in a cookup if you're in the habit of doing a cookup. And then the recipes take 10 to 20 minutes. So it kind of should be helpful to people who cook both ways. And also for people who do like a mini cookup and towards the end of the week, maybe they start running out of food or they want to cook something from scratch on a, a particular night. So it should work really well for people who go, you know, who are in the habit of doing each of those things. And the recipes were inspired by food trucks and takeout food it's basically stuff I really, really like to eat, and I'm really excited about it. It's coming out November 1st, and um, the pre-sale is going to begin the middle of September. So there will be lots of information on my site and social media, of course. Well, it sounds awesome, and frankly, when WellFed 2 came out, I remember saying to Matt or whoever, I was like, WellFed was so awesome, I don't know how she could top well-fed. I don't know how I feel about this well-fed two thing. And then I got well-fed two and I was like, oh my gosh, it's bigger and better than well-fed was. So now that you're telling me there's a weeknight well-fed, I'm like, I am so down. Yep. It's going to be on the meal plan for sure. Thank you. You're so nice. And I have to say thank you to my followers because it was actually someone who follows me who suggested it. I was thinking about doing a holiday cookbook a couple years ago and someone was like, you know, I really like the way your recipes taste, but I don't have, you know, two hours to, to simmer something. Can't you come up with some recipes that taste like your food, but can be made really fast? And I was like, huh, I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) but I will try that and let you know. And here we are. (laughs) So it's been really interesting for me. I had to push myself to cook in a slightly different way but I'm really happy with how things came out. So I, I hope I everyone love, else likes it too. <laughs> I love the flexibility and accessibility of that approach though, because I think that it's, it's very common for people to do exactly what you said, right? Like stop by the grocery store on the way home and then right. want to start cooking. Right. And, um, and it accommodates, you could do any, any blend of, I'm going to cook this one from start to finish on this night. And then I'm going to have these things, prepared for those three nights, right? Like you could do anywhere in the middle. It's like, it's like a, like warming up to a, a cookup. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, and the photos are really cute too. I'm really excited. I, I can't wait to see it. Thank you. Thank you very much for asking about it. Well, thank you again for joining us so that we can, in the future, when I reference Weekly Cookup, it won't be this nebulous <laughs> thing anymore. And people are like, what is this thing Stacey's talking about? Now I can just be like, episode, whatever what, this is. Whatever this thing. 200-something. <laughs> something, big number, big number, big number. Um, well, I'll, I'll send you guys the links to some of the stuff I referenced because I do have a couple of kind of like prescribed cookups for people who need a little bit more of a framework. 
And then from there, people can jump off and do their own thing. Oh, perfect. Perfect. We'll put those in the show notes for sure. Yay. Well, I also missed you at Paleo Facts because I too was not there. So I was uh, there all but Yes, you're so <laughs> you're an East Coaster now, right? Yeah, we're in Vermont right now because my husband was getting his master's degree in cartooning here in a very, very small town in Vermont. Um, and we are here for 10 more months, and then we're moving to Prague in the Czech Republic. Holy moly. Wow. Yeah. Very excited. Well, that is <laughs> some serious true. dream chasing, and um, I, am, I am impressed. Congratulations to both Thank of you. Thank you. I am excited when I'm rested and terrified when I'm tired, so that seems about right. <laughs> yep. that's, that's, that sounds, yep, that sounds right. <laughs> well, I recently went on a trip to Europe, and it's it's magical to step outside your own bubble, you know? Yeah. So even if it's for a short amount of time or a long amount of time, I just think there's, there's a certain kind of magic to, for me personally, immersing yourself in other culture and the inspiration that it provides to see other people living life a certain way or eating food a certain way, or I just, it was magical to me. So yeah, I that's hope, fantastic. I hope that you live in the magic. Um, thank you. I think we will. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us. If you want to find Melissa's blog, again, it's Mel Juwan. That's J-O-U-L-W-A-N.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. You can also just Google Well-Fed and you'll find her. And um, again, her cookbooks are Well-Fed, Well-Fed 2, and the upcoming well-fed weeknights. So it's difficult to forget if you're looking for her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say too that another thing that you'll find about Melissa's recipes that we didn't really talk today is that they're very clean paleo and I'm using quotation marks around that. But um, you use a lot of ingredients that are really based in kind of vegetables and meat for the most part. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of treats and stuff like that. So if you're looking for recipes to, you know, get you on some sort of path of, you know, feeling great and, and getting back to a certain standard of paleo away from, um, treats and that sort of stuff. Her recipes can also be an inspiration for that as well. Um, do you have like a tag on your site for allergen friendly stuff? Like can people sort by, you know, AIP or nut free or egg free or something like that? I do have, um, AIP recipes tagged and I have in my navigation, Whole30 category. Um, that's as far as I've gone with the allergens. Well, that's great. A lot of our followers are AIP, so that's very helpful yes. for people. Yeah, that know. should be helpful. Um, and yeah, I am the stick in the mud that doesn't make paleo treats. So <laughs> <laughs> lots of vegetables and meat. <laughs> it's, the, it's the stuff Sarah and I are always encouraging people to do more of. So if you're trying to be inspired of you know, a variety of flavors and, oh gosh, another green thing. I'm so tired of these things. <laughs> Melissa will find a way to flavor it up and make it fun again. So I will try. I will, your spice drawer will explode with happiness. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I have learned of spices I had never heard of before from Melissa. So that's an amazing, amazing thing. They're so fun. They are super fun. I love some of my new things that I discovered thanks to you. Uh, So thank you. That's been awesome. Well, thank you again, Melissa, for joining us today. And thanks to everyone for listening. 
Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Stacy, I'm going to I'm going to go have a potty break before we record the next one. Unacceptable. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.